you can't put a price tag on the value of a mother. My cause, my primary cause is in front of me. It's these children that God has given me and me alone. You could find a cure for cancer, but if you sacrificed your child's life for that cure for cancer, you've missed it. You've missed the primary focus of what you should have done with your life. For most women, myself included, I have important contributions beyond raising my kids, which is my most important contribution. And that is a good thing. Hey guys, welcome back to the Lila Rose podcast. Thank you guys so much for those that have been listening, commenting, sharing the content. It's wonderful. Thank you for being a part of the community. And those that are new Patreon supporters, thank you so much for making the podcast possible. Your funds fuel what we do and we couldn't do it without you. So thank you very, very much. Today, we're going to talk about working and being a mother, working moms, the importance of motherhood. Basically, if you go on the internet and type in anything to do with mothers and look at any kind of chat room or the comment sections of any videos having to do with working mothers or stay-at-home mothers, you're going to see battles. You're going to see a battleground because there's this ongoing tension in our culture, and we're going to talk about why, between the value of motherhood and what it means to be a good mother versus the value of a woman competing in the workplace and following her dreams and pursuing her career and all of the things that come with that. And so there's a lot of extremes, but I want to boil this down to core principles that I think should guide us. And if we followed these core principles as a society at large, I think women would be healthier and happier. Our children would be healthier and happier. For those that are married, our marriages would be healthier and happier. Men would be better off. I think we'd all be better off. Personally, this topic is something I'm very passionate about, and it's because I am a working mom. And I'm going to make the caveat that all moms are working moms because being a mother involves tremendous work, and we're going to talk about that. But I also have, obviously, a full-time job. I work for Live Action. I do speaking and writing. I do this podcast. I do a lot of different activities. And so one of my focuses as a young woman was seeking out in my work, building out habits so that once, if I was blessed to get married and have kids one day, which is what I wanted, I hoped for, that I could build a sustainable rhythm for my life and a sustainable schedule so that I could be a mother and be a present mother quality and quantity times with my kids, putting them first while still maintaining my work. And Obviously, there's a lot of give and take here. There's a lot of nuances here, and I'm not doing it perfectly, and I'm learning as I go, but my guiding star is my children. My children are my priority. They're given to me by God as a gift. I alone have been given them to mother them, and so they're my priority. Now, I'm very, very blessed, and I'm going to make this caveat first, too, because I am very blessed with the job that I have. And so I say this in a way from a position of, yes, privilege, because I am blessed to have a flexible job. I work for a pro-life organization primarily. I'm self-working, working for myself with my show. And so I have this blessing of getting in large part to set my own schedule. Now, it's very demanding the work that I do, so I'm not trying to say it's easy work, but I would never pretend to say, oh, every woman should be able to do what I do, because obviously we're all in different circumstances and we all have different desires and callings. Okay, with all of those caveats said, let's dive in. This message is also really important, I think, for young women, because, I mean, when I was young and I was growing up and I was looking at, okay, did I want to get married? If I got married, what kind of marriage did I want to have? What was I looking for in a husband? What kind of woman did I want to be? If I was going to get married, how would I want to be a mother? How could I be a mother? Uh, what about this pro-life mission that I was so dedicated to? What about my organization? What about my other creative, creative work? All of these were questions that I was navigating 
in my even late teens and definitely in my 20s. And it, it I, I think whether we do it consciously or subconsciously, young people today, Gen Zers today, I'm a millennial, so my Gen Z buddies, my Gen Z friends, I, I think you guys are awesome. We're figuring this stuff out. And there's not really a clear roadmap because there's so many different paths. There's so many different paths. And there's also, so we don't, you know, which one do you choose, right? And in addition to that, there's a lot of woundedness, quite frankly, because some of us had parents that, or or maybe raised by a single parent, and there was some traumas or neglect or just wounds from that. And so we were like, we don't want to do it that way. And maybe in our reaction to how we were raised, we're maybe overcorrecting to go the opposite direction, right? So if we were raised w- with a parent that was really absent, right? Maybe we're saying, well, I don't want to even have kids because, you know, it's it, it, childhood is miserable. It's miserable. Or our parent was really absent. So we're like, well, when I have kids, I'm going to be just a thousand percent there for my kids. And I'm not going to do anything beyond just try to be there for my kids. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do anything else. So I think there's a tendency in our humanity to react, react instead of respond. And so my hope and the difference between react and respond is react is we go, you know, it is a form of response, but we're not really intentionally evaluating our childhoods, our belief system. We don't really fully aware of our own belief system, how we are making choices, why we make the choices that we make. So we're not really operating with full wisdom. We're just kind of operating. And the problem with that is we have less ability in that in that case to optimize our life and to make the best choices for our own lives and for the lives of other people that we can make choices for, like children or choices that impact our spouse or choices that impact other people. So all that to say, Let's get into it. Let's get into the principles. Okay, so I have six points on work and motherhood. And so the and some of these are principles. So the first point is this. Our society at large tends to prioritize work over motherhood. And let me break that down. We go to college. We pursue training at y- universities that educate us, supposedly educate us, right? And we spend maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars for this education so that we can go get jobs, so that we can go make money, so that then we can go pay off college debt, right? But there's no like education. There's no educational system for how to be a parent today. Think about that. There's no training for how to be a mother. We don't really actively focus as a society at large on setting people up for success in their relationships. We focus on setting people up for success in work, in productivity, in economy, in making money, basically. And even then, right, there's issues because people go to college, they get this degree and they're like, shoot, I can't even pay off my school now, right? I can't even get a job and I certainly can't buy a house, right? So Gen Zers and even most millennials feel like I will never be able to buy a house or it will be really hard for me to ever buy a house because of college debt and I just can't make enough money. So already the economic stuff is a mess, but our society so heavily prioritizes money. It prioritizes material things. It prioritizes developing your career. It prioritizes your education, meaning your like career education, right? Not your education for the purpose of being a good mother or father or spouse or friend. It's more your education for the purpose of learning things so that, that you can go then get a job right? And so there's not an emphasis on your relationships and the value of them. And in a, in a society that's healthy, relationships are healthy. If your relationships are sick, if families are broken, if men and women are at war with each other, society is going to be broken. And a lot of the societal ills today are directly from broken relationships. Abortion as an example, 2,500 abortions every single day, children killed by abortion. Why? The most fundamental relationship between a mother and her child is broken down to the point of violence and death. 
That's what an abortion is. Why did that situation even happen? Well, because that woman, that mother, there's a father too in the picture, maybe not in the picture, but there was a father too of this child. And there's a couple clearly that are having sex and being intimate and they're not ready to be parents. They don't want to be parents. They're not ready to be parents. They might not even like each other. They might not even be in a committed relationship. And now there's a baby dead because of it. And there's two people that are wounded in addition. So that's all brokenness, brokenness between men and women, brokenness between women and children, brokenness between men and children. It all stems from a lack of valuing relationships as a society. So our society tends to prioritize like girl bosses, right? Like you're going to put the girl boss or the famous model or the famous actor on the cover of magazines. What do we value women for in our society? Sexiness, not like sexiness to have children, but just like sexiness to be a, a sex object for men. We value women for being like a girl boss, like Sheryl Sandberg's lean in. So she was the COO of Facebook. She wrote the New York Times bestselling book, uh, Lean In. And it's all about how women belong in the corporate office. They belong in the boardrooms. Sure, I don't think they should be stopped from entering because of merely being women. But this idea that we need to take a man and a woman of equal skill and value and always select the woman because somehow it should be 50-50 in every room that you walk in, 50 percent women, 50 percent men. It's just illogical. It doesn't even make sense. It's basically being sexist for women. It's bad to be sexist against women. It's also bad to be sexist for women in the workplace. That being said, that's our society today, right? It's all about get women in STEM. It's all about women need to work. It's all about women need to be sexy. It's all about women need to be powerful. I mean, it's not really a surprise to me that so many young girls today even struggle with gender dysphoria and struggle with anxiety and depression and struggle with body image issues. Because the image of a woman in today's society is given to us in terms of overt, aggressive objectification, sexual objectification. It's the Kardashian image. Literally inflate your breasts and your buttocks to be a sex symbol, not for the purpose of being healthy or for the purpose of being a mother, you know, have healthy bodies so you can carry life and nurture life. No, it's for being a sex object. That's wrong. It's wrong. And it's extremely toxic and it's harming a generation of girls. So I think it's no wonder that some girls are at war with their bodies. They're like, well, if that's an image of womanhood, I don't want that. You know, that was what Chloe Cole said in my interview with her. She was saying she didn't really identify with these like super sexy makeup made up girls. And so she was like, I don't belong. So maybe I'm a boy. And it's just a, it's just tragic that we've let it get to that point as a society. But that's what happens, right, in society is we go to excesses when we don't have principles, when we lose principles. So the first point here is that our society tends to prize productivity, the material things, physical beauty over relationships, over especially the relationships of marriage and the relationship of a mother and her child or even a father and his child. So now that we know the oper what we're swimming in, right, and we know what we're operating in, we're going to have more clarity of, of discerning what are the problems in our society and how do we rediscover the correct principles about how we should order our lives. One more thing to say about that. There's a long history to why we are where we are today. We're not here accidentally. We're here in large part because of aggressive ideologies, particularly the sexual revolution and aspects of feminism post-original feminism. So a lot of original feminism was about equal treatment under the law, which is good. Men and women should be treated equally under the law. Today's feminism is about abortion, is about, in many ways, hating men, is about destroying the things that make us women, our motherhood. It's very toxic. 
And I want to point it back to a very famous book called The Feminine Mystique, which was written by Betty Friedan, who was a feminist. The Feminine Mystique was written mid-century, 20th century, and Betty Friedan is talking about the suburban housewife. So basically the 1950s stereotypical housewife whose children are going off to school. She's puttering around the house and she's like making dinner for her family and she's wearing a little cute dress and has the cute curled hair, right? That's kind of the stereotype, right? Well, Betty Friedan is commenting how these women are actually miserable, how they're lonely, how they're miserable, and they feel this, this deep sense of meaninglessness and they need to be empowered by being freed from the home, which is oppressing them, and from the gender role that they have, which is oppressing them of being in the home and going out in the work and competing with men. Betty Friedan identified something that was partially a reality. It was a, it was a truth, which is that it is possible to be a mom and to be lonely and to feel unfulfilled. That is possible. And I think a lot of it has to do with broken community. It has to do with a lack of understanding of the value of what you're doing and raising your kids. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. So she kind of sensed something that was real. I think she exaggerated it, but her solution was all wrong. To say the solution to feeling unsatisfied in your motherhood or unsatisfied working from home is to go out and reject those things as bad and to go out and compete like a man, it's just stupid. Because first of all, men in addition to women who are out in the workforce or whatever, they should be doing that in service of others and especially in service of the relationships that they've committed to. If they're married, they should be working to serve their wife and if they have children, their children. They shouldn't just be working for their own selfish pursuit, right? So that applies to men equally. Uh, women, of course, have a unique role because they alone can be mothers and we're gonna talk more about that. But I think it's very important to call out Betty Friedan because her book, The Feminine Mystique, had huge consequences and was really impactful for a generation of women. And then with the sexual revolution and this idea that sex doesn't belong in marriage and with uh, contraceptive ideology that, you know, sex shouldn't lead to children. It doesn't lead to children. Naturally, we can divorce sex from children. And all of these ideologies that were just pummeled at us and we started to accept them, good, normal people accepted them. Because they're like, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense that every woman should be, you know, boardrooms should be 50-50, 50% women, 50% women. It doesn't matter what the personal decisions are of those people. Like, as long as they want to be there and it's half women, half men, it works. Or, yeah, women should be out working and just drop their kids off at daycare. That's normal. That's what everybody should do. I can see why that's the mentality for some people. But I'm here to say it's broken. All right. So what are the principles? So my first point is that society tends to prioritize productivity and fame more than relationships. So this has huge impact on mothers. Second point, stay-at-home moms are working moms. It really bothers me when I hear people talk about stay-at-home mom versus a working mom. I get the distinction, and I get the easy ease of use with that vocabulary. But the problem is it has this presumption in the language that a, a stay-at-home mom is not working. And that somehow a working mom is working more than a stay-at-home mom. And I want to clarify for anyone listening and everybody, I think if you're listening, you already know, because if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're listening, you're like, you got it, which is that if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're responsible for managing the household, you're responsible for meals, for laundry, for errands, for chores, and you're responsible for the most important job of them all, which is caring for and nurturing your children day in and day out. That's a ton of work right there. That's actually, you could argue, multiple jobs right there. 
And actually, economists have done studies to evaluate the economic value, the monetary value of a stay-at-home mom who's doing all these different things, has all these different roles, and looked at, well, what if you had to outsource it all? Outsource the shopping, the cooking, the cleaning, the home organization, outsource the errands, outsource the childcare. What would it cost to physically outsource all of those things for a family household? It would cost up to $200,000 a year. I think the number was 170 to 200. So the economic value of a stay-at-home mom is like $200,000 for all the things that she's providing for her family. Now, all those things in monetary terms, yeah, that's a lot. But what she's doing is far more significant than $200,000 worth of work. And um, that's my third point, which is that for a mother, your children are your most important work. Your children are your most important work. You alone are the mother of your children. For those listening, if you're even, this goes for adopted parents, of course, those are parents that are fostering and you're entrusted with those kids and absolutely biological parents who may be listening, you alone are the mother of your child. You alone. And by the way, if you're a father, you alone are the father of your child. I'm focusing on mothers here as a woman, but some of this can be applied, a lot of this can be applied to men too. But you alone are the mother of your child. Your child needs you. Your child needs you uniquely. It needs your presence. It needs the quantity of your time so that you're there throughout the child's life and the child knows that you are the psychological core and root of their new existence that they're developing. And you're their, you're their teacher and nurturer. You're nurturing them. You're teaching them. You're guiding them into maturity. And it's such a priceless job. You can't put a price tag on the value of a mother. You can't. And that's why being a mother is the most important work. You could find a cure for cancer as a mother, which would be absolutely amazing. But if you sacrificed your child's life for that cure for cancer, you've, you've missed it. You've missed the primary focus of what you should have done with your life, which is help your child develop into maturity and be there for your child. So you can pick the most important, the most humanitarian career I mean, my work, I get the privilege of doing work that can directly help save lives. And I'm so grateful for this incredible privilege that I have to do this as part of my day job. But what's more important than that is raising my kids that I've been entrusted with. And why is this? Because in natural law and morality, our responsibility is to the people we've been entrusted to first, not the people that are continents away. This is why naturally, it is more important for someone to care for their child that they've been given than leave and abandon their child and take a flight, you know, to a, another developing country where they're suffering, starving children and abandon their, their child to go and make sure that those children are okay. And yeah, there's a tragedy in that because my heart, and I know people listening, I don't know actually where you're at with this, but for me, I, I, I stress a lot or I think a lot about all the people I want to help and serve, the causes that I care about. But I have to always rework that to remember my cause, my primary cause is in front of me. It's my son, three years old, asking for attention. It's my one-year-old. It's these children that God has given me and me alone. So value that, cherish that. If you've been blessed with the gift of children, just double down on on enjoying the blessing and serving those beautiful children that you've been given. So 
For a mother, your children are your most important work, more important than any career. But next principle, my fourth point, a woman has contributions to make beyond motherhood. I think this is very important because we can tend to go to extremes. You can say, well, I just, I'm a mother and I value being a mother so much. So I'm just going to give my, give it a thousand percent to being a mother. And I'm not going to do anything outside being a mother to my kids. Everything's about my kids. That's not necessarily healthy either. Now, maybe there's some rare cases, depending on your situation in life, where that makes sense for you. Maybe because of things that you're working through, health issues you have. I don't know. You've you've really thought it through and you're like, okay, I'm really not going to do anything outside of just raising these kids. And maybe you have like a boatload of kids, you have a lot of them. So you're, you're tapped out. This is in no way to judge what you're doing. And I said, I would celebrate and commend you because you, you're being intentional and thoughtful about how you're spending your time, where you're putting your skills and your gifts. But for most women, myself included, I have important contributions that I am making beyond raising my kids, which is my most important contribution. And that is a good thing. So don't feel like if you're working outside the home, you are in any way doing something bad. Now, if you're working outside of the home to the degree where your children suffer, and especially if there's not an economic necessity to it, that would be a problem, right? And I'm going to say that again. If you're working outside of the home to the degree that your children suffer because you're not getting quality and quantity time with them, you're not really in tune with them and helping them develop, right? And especially if you're doing this and there's not an economic necessity, and I mean a a severe economic necessity, like you're the sole breadwinner, you guys are going to have a roof over your head or food to eat if you don't do this. But if that's not the case, then I do think it's a problem. And I would tell that to any woman. I would encourage her to put her motherhood first. But having a flexible job or finding work outside the home that you can do in tandem with being a mother where you can contribute where you can bring an income for the family, where you can use your very valuable skills and gifts to make an impact in the world, I think is a beautiful thing. I think is an inspiration to other people and I think can ultimately help make the world better for your kids that you're trying to raise and be an example to your kids. So don't let anyone shame you for being a working mom. And certainly don't let any fundamentalist strains of Christianity, because these do exist, say that it is somehow evil or sinful for a mother to do work outside the home. I kind of laugh when I see this because you look at scripture and a lot of these people say, well, look at the Bible or look at the history of the, of the church teaching on this. And you look at the woman that's praised above women, um, except for the blessed mother, but in Proverbs anyway, she's play, praised as a woman of praise, a woman to be praised. And it's Proverbs 31 woman. Most of the description is about her working Outside the house, she's going and selling goods. She's going and surveying real estate to purchase it. She's working really hard to bring in income for the family and to care for her household and to also serve the poor. She's doing works of mercy and charity outside the home. So I just think it's funny when we have these like rigidity, we have this rigidity in our thinking where we say, well, women are mothers, so therefore they can't work. First of all, they're working by being mothers, period. And second of all, they probably can and they, they absolutely can work and many of them will work and that's a good thing. It's, an, it's a good thing. It becomes a bad thing when it harms the kids. And so the next question is, well, when does it harm the kids? And this is where there's a lot of gray area because every child's different. Um, you're going to have different circumstances. My rule of thumb, I'll just share it, is I don't want my kids to be during their waking hours. So I do a lot of work when they're sleeping, but during their waking hours, I don't want them to be with someone else more than with me. 
for my young children. So I organize my schedule so that I'm there for park. Um, not every day, but many days a week that I'm there for play dates so that I'm there doing lessons with my son who's learning his colors and shapes and, 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 um, words, his alphabet. I'm there and I'm part of their daily routine more substantially than childcare is, you know, and childcare is someone like family to us who's very, very trusted. So that's how I look at it. And I, I would recommend that because I do think children need quality time but they also do need quantity time, especially very young children. I'm also, you know, I, I, I'm a nursing mom, so I'm there for my son to nurse him. And that's very important. I don't like pumping. I'm not saying pumping is wrong and sometimes pumping is necessary, but I think the bond of nursing your child, if you're able to do that, is really valuable and important for their bonding. Those are just a couple of things that I do. Now, I know there's probably passionate opinions already bubbling up. People are having reactions to what I just said. Share your opinions. I'd love to hear. I'm not trying to say this is like a, an adamant creed for how you shall live, but I do think our kids need us. Our kids need us, and it's our first responsibility. Okay, next point. Nurture and provider roles are an ideal in marriage. This is controversial because our society today says there's no gender roles there shouldn't be gender roles. Gender roles are a construct. And yeah, in that language, the idea of a gender role, I think is a very modern concept. I would prefer to just say, if you're a mother, you have a certain responsibility. If you're a father, you have a certain responsibility. So I think that's a little better than saying, if you're a woman, then you have a certain role to play. Well, it, it has to do with more specificity about your being a woman if you are a mother specifically. Yes, you have a role to play. So that's where gender roles is a little wonky because not all women are mothers and it doesn't it doesn't really get the specificity that I think this topic needs and deserves. So in a marriage where you have children, nurture provider roles are very valuable. What do I mean by that? Nurture and provide, both parents do both. Fathers should nurture their kids. Mothers should provide. But specifically for mothers of young children, the mother being available for that child and being there to nurture that child and being free to do that and not have to leave to go work outside the home is an ideal that we should fight for as a society. So women can be there with their young children. And for her to be able to do that, it is ideal if she is married to the father of her children who is empowered to go out and provide for his family so that she's able to be there with her kids in the home. I do think that is an ideal. Now, that doesn't mean she doesn't do any work outside the home. That doesn't mean the husband is then a workaholic who's not present to his family and kids and puts his work, always says work comes first because I'm providing for you. So I'm always put work first. No, like that, that is an excuse, by the way, some men use is they excuse their workaholism by saying, I'm doing it for you. Actually, what they want from you more than your money is your presence and money is necessary for the necessities, but it's not necessary beyond that. Don't forget that. Right. So we could do a whole episode on that. But I do think nurture provider roles are important and are an ideal in marriage. And as a society, we should value mothers more and their unique role of being the mother of young children. Remember, only women can gestate. Only women can lactate. Only women can mother their very young children in the way that they're biologically and emotionally designed to. Final point. And thanks for staying with me through this episode because I know it's kind of like heady, all these like ideas I'm spitting out. If I 
was doing a better job of this, I probably would use more concrete examples. So forgive me, but I just wanted to get this out there because it's been something I've been really thinking about and I've been on my heart a lot. Final point, if you're listening and you're a single or you're childless, you don't have children, maybe you're married or you're a single person, please do not think that you don't have a key role to play in our society. And, and uh, you know, by me saying, if you're a mother, motherhood's your most important work. Yes, but if you're not a mother, you still have very important work to do. And so I, I think that's a really important point to make because I see sometimes people feeling like they don't have value because they're not a parent. And that's not true. Some people aren't called to be parents and they're called to do incredibly important work that make it possible for the next generation to have a great future, right? Teachers, inventors, uh, people working in business, people working in ministry, you're doing work to help the next generation ultimately. So thank you, keep doing it. And if you're single and you're not sure if you're gonna get married or if you even wanna get married or wanna have kids, that's okay. God has a unique plan for each of us. But I do think that anybody listening, man or woman, is called to a kind of motherhood or fatherhood ultimately, even if it doesn't end up being lived out through having biological children. Because I think the measure of a woman or man in their maturity is when they can step out of childhood and become fully an adult who then can go on and nurture mother or father, help lead other people. And that's going to look like a spiritual motherhood or fatherhood. That's going to be maybe look like a uh, educational one. It's going to look like a maybe a mentor. But I do think the measure of our maturity as men or women, I've said this before, you've probably heard me say this before, is giving of ourselves to those that are less mature than us, in need of us, more dependent, the younger, the more frail, the more needy, who need to be mothered and fathered. Because that's our unique difference between each other, mother and men, mother, women and men, is women our ability to be mothers and men our ability to be fathers. And even if we don't live that out biologically, we can and we should live it out spiritually and psychologically for other people. So society tends to prize productivity and fame and status, girl boss stuff. Don't let them do it. Don't let them mislead you. Stay-at-home moms are working moms. For a mother, your children are your most important work. That said, a mother has important contributions to make beyond motherhood. And one other thing I'll say there, it's not just your economic work or your using your talents. It's building community. It's having friends. It's all of the things that a human being does beyond having kids, which is you're building, you know, you have friends, you're building relationships with your extended family. I mean, women are community, should be community leaders, right? Men, we should be community leaders. So you're doing more than just mothering or fathering. You're being a leader in the community and building up these relationships beyond the family. Nurture and provider roles are an ideal in marriage. So let's fight for them and pursue them. And finally, for singles or, ch or, the ch or those that don't have children, your role and your work is incredibly important and you're called to a form of motherhood and fatherhood too. All right, there we go. Let me know what you guys think about this episode. Thanks for listening to me. Thanks for coming along the journey of this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube or you're on podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you can get episodes as soon as they're out. We have some fun bonus ones that we are planning. And also don't forget to join Patreon. Any amount a month is gonna help us be able to pay our bills so we can keep producing great content for you. Thanks so much and we'll see you next week.